Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Let's greet one another. Welcome everyone in person and joining us online. It's great to see you as we approach the pandemic. You can be seated. Let's practice the rule of life together before we start. I'm just gonna give you a moment to bow your heads, to practice some silence and solitude for a few seconds, to center around two things that Gene Edwards says that's God breathed, and that's the soul and the word of God. And when they come into confluence, there is an exponential power that releases in the atmosphere. So let's come to the house of God together collectively and exhale all the ruminating thoughts, all the anxieties and toxicities. You can unload, the Bible says that to cast our cares upon him for he cares for us. And inhale the transcending presence of God that says that when we supplicate our ruminations, automatic thoughts, that a garrison would come and guard our hearts and minds. Transcending peace would come, not because the circumstances have changed, but because his perspective enters and his presence sets us free from what is captivating us. Sarah Young, February 13, Jesus Calling. Peace be with you. Ever since the resurrection, this has been my watchword to those who yearn for me. As you sit quietly, let me let my peace settle over you and enfold you in my loving presence to provide this radiant peace for you. I died a criminal's death. Receive my peace abundantly and thankfully. It is a rare treasure, dazzling in delicate beauty, yet strong enough to withstand all onslaughts. Where my peace would real dignity, it will keep your heart and mind close to mine. All God's people pray, amen. Today, I want to go back down memory lane, put this picture up here. One in church started as mostly graduate and college students. This was seven years ago. There's Andrew and Haley before they had those three kids, and they were free to do anything and everything. Boy, they don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> There's Jenny about to be married next. Many have asked the married women in our church, what was it about your partner that set them apart? And mostly, unanimously, they've said they were men after God's heart. No one said they were hot 
Well, except my wife. Because my wife in her journal prayed in junior and college, God, well, he needs to have broad so- shoulders, he needs to have clean skin, clear skin, and dimples. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All the married men in her church are hot and holy. I mean, look at them, they're holding the babies right now. You look back, they're all the ones holding the baby. Roe over there rocking the baby. You got Eddie doing all the work there. Actually, I don't know what Janice does. I don't think she parents. Amin's not here right now, but I mean, he basically raises the kids now. But, but, but clearly, vibrant spirituality is attractive. In 2020, you might even call it sexy. Right? So therefore, if vibrant faith can earn you respect and approval from others, from your community, and from partner, your significant other, an incentive is created. Freakonomics, University of Chicago, Stephen Levitt wrote a book on Freakonomics, and an economist said that if you can, if you want to understand human behavior, study the incentive. There's the economic incentive, social incentive, and the moral incentive. Those three usually are competing. But if you want to understand why you do what you do, or why economies do what they do, or why people do what they do, it's an incentive. So then there is a clear apparent incentive for someone to appear more spiritual than they are. I mean, hey, people have done worse for much less. If they can land you hot and holy club, that's my whole point of my ministry, is to raise men hot, holy husbands, the three H3 club. I mean, we have advertised that, and this year we're getting another person married. I'm sure next year there are more marriages happening. Hey, if you want to get married, come to 180. It'll help you. We'll help you out. Because all the women in our church are already holy. They don't need any more holiness. But the men, they need work all the time. But that's the whole idea of spiritual sincerity and then spiritual piety. Piety is an appearance of righteousness when the inside's all about self-promotion and self-interest. And it is a, an alarming danger when it comes to spirituality. Jesus said in the New Testament, in your pursuit of spirituality, be keenly aware with a sharp perspicacity to be aware what's growing in your own formation or it can become toxic. Sometimes you can work out spirituality and pursue spirituality without the work of the Spirit, which then leads to death, Jesus says. I mean, if you think about it just in a political lens, every U.S. president elected in the U.S., the United States, everyone had an appearance of some type of pursuit of spirituality. There's not one president that won this election without being some type of Christian. But if you look at their policies and you look at how they governed, faith really wasn't of value, was it? Let's look down here on the book. Kettner, at a Stanford psychologist, wrote the book called The Power Paradox, How We Gain and Lose Influence. And 
The next slide, if you look up there, the definition of status. Status is the respect that you enjoy from other people in your social network. The esteem they direct to you, status goes with power, often but not always. So there you go. If you can get status by faith, why wouldn't you? And so therefore, if you want to understand the work of someone's heart, which is not really clearly seen, it's invisible, the motivations of someone's heart, it's hard to tell. But if there's an incentive, the carrot, the carrot and the stick, to gain status and approval, you would. So everything you see, look at the person next to you. Their humble demeanor or their exuberant spirituality might not always have pure motives. Not everything as it seems. Not everything is as they appears. Today, I want to talk about the alarming danger or dangers of spiritual piety. The economists have talked about the incentives. They've talked about the law, also talked about the law of unintended consequences. So what happens when you create a platform for people to gain power through the church, which is moral incentive, or political incentive? What happens? You get a lot of shenanigans that happens that hurt a lot of people. The church is, in its history, the Dark Ages and the Crusades, military power, power itself, until the Reformation and the Renaissance, and even the universities, they were all religious. So you can get power through religious lens or the moral incentive. And now we see religious leaders falling all the time, political leaders as well, but religious leaders falling all the time. And sometimes the church enables this culture because we don't take Jesus' warnings seriously about spiritual piety. And a lot of times we buy into them. And today I want to talk about the cost of spiritual piety and falling for it, how we can mitigate it, and apparently also... I want to call all of us to participate. It's our responsibility to protect the church and the representation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Tell, tell someone it's your job too. You go, no, the pastor will do it. The leaders will do it. The scholars will do it. It's not working, folks. It's happening too often for the church to have any sort of witness if this happens continually will lose all equity in culture, even though it's been happening forever. So how do we stop the cycle? We have to understand it and then mitigate it. That's what we're going to do. So let's explore the alarming dangers of spiritual piety. Let's go to the text. So what's the first word, first word Jesus says in verse 1? What does he say? You get that? I think people skip over this in Matthew 6 when they read about prayer. Oh, the Lord's Prayer. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer first. Our Father. Before Jesus talks about prayer, he talks about the dangers of pursuing spirituality apart from the Spirit. When the motive is corrupt or incentivized to gain anything that's not God-related, really, the motive, corruption enters. And Jesus says, be careful 
not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites, which in Greek means actor. The Colosseum was born. So Jesus is telling the religious leaders of his day, we're acting for applause. But let's be real for a moment. Tell someone, let's be real. Come on. Come on, man. Let's be real now. All right. Let's not be pious. And I try not to be pious, really. This is why I enter the Michael Jordan conversations. And again, it's arguments in the basketball court. And when I'm getting angry, I try to show my anger because I don't want to be pious. I take this text really seriously. I don't want people to think, confuse you, think I'm holier than I am. Because I'm not. People are like, man, you really don't represent Christ in the battle. Well, my model is Michael Jordan, bro, not Jesus. But at least you'll know that I'm human and I need Jesus rather than you thinking I'm Jesus. But when you read this carefully, it's talking about the intoxication of the applause. You guys don't like it when you get compliments? How many people don't like it when they get Raise your hand if you don't like compliments. You don't like it. No, you're lying. You go, no, no. Okay, what, do you, what else? My wife tells me when I talk, she talks about me, she goes, but you really pay attention. When I talk about other things, you're like falling asleep. <laughs> Your hair looked really good. Really? Where? where? Which part looked good today? But, you, you know, people like applause. And it's, <laughs> the only problem is you don't really get it that much. And we, criti- we criti- criticize people on the stage it's easy, Adam Grant talked about this in Twitter, it's easy to tear down something, like a movie, that only took two years to, to write and produce in two seconds. Right? It's not, you don't, you're not on the stage. But so everybody likes approval and applause. Let's get that out of the way. Okay? Don't, another thing is don't be falsely humble. Right? Don't be falsely humble. Be, be real about it. So there is this intoxicating power, and that's why Jesus says be careful. There is a correlation, a relationship between praise and intoxication. It's coercive, yeah, but it's alluring and seductive. Everybody likes approval. Now, there, there is a spectrum. But it is a real danger. And I want to try to help you understand what's happening in the church today with this form of spiritual piety. So you can get, cl- you can get a clarity about it. So let's put this picture up here. I mean, the applause of men have intoxicated the Oscars and the, the accolades. Everybody likes this stuff, okay? If somebody offered me a Nobel Peace Prize, I'm going to be like, no, I'm too humble for that. I'll just take the money. Bob Dylan tried to do that one time. They offered him the, you know, the Nobel Prize for, for literature or in music, whatever. He's like, no, I'm not going to that. Until they told him he's getting a million. He's like, all right, I'll be there. <laughs> I mean, my own journey with piety and spirituality and, and how God mitigated it in my life is interesting because people used to call me when I was much younger, from 16 to 21, some people did actually call me the prayer God, which is a paradox. I know you're praying to God, but they called me the prayer God, right? Some people call my son, who has a you know rising music career, the mixing God, and there are these goat emojis in his in his Instagram every day, like goat. You're the goat. You're the goat. I'm just like, don't let that get to your head. 
So before Instagram, we, you know, the Sony Walkman at th that time in my own life, people used to come to the prayer. Because when I was, when I was a kid, before you're, you, know, you can preach, whatever, people, pastors used to invite me to revivals and to, to gatherings to pray. Because when I would pray, things would happen, which is ironic. Because I don't pray as I used to pray anymore. I used to pray for hours and hours, at least two, three hours a day. Read the New Testament once a day. People were like, man, you're really, really holy. I know. And so what happened was the, this perpetual, continuous prayer let me pray really well. So eventually, I was on a stage of 100,000 people praying. And I prayed so well. And you're like, well, that's your opinion. Well, I have evidence, empirical evidence, that I prayed well. It's on video. I could send it to you. Let me know. I'll send you the link. But the founder of the prayer movement saw me pray. He's the founder of the prayer movement. And said, hey, I think you should come work for me. I'll mentor you. And I was like, this is great. He goes, I get 50 speaking engagements a week. You can come and move, and you can take them. That's how you can make a living. And then I'll teach you how to do this thing for real. Like, wow, this is amazing, right? So one minute you're in a stage of 100,000 people. Let me just tell you, even at the prayer meeting, that prayer meeting, I was with Matt Remen in the backstage. If you're a Christian for a while, Matt Remen is like a god, even though he sings about God. You know, heart of worship and songs like Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. I mean, it's he, he's basically, you know, John Wesley, Charles Wesley of today. You, you're with, you know, stars you listen to. And it's intoxicating, and you think that God has this great plan for your life. And I visited him. I said, my, my, you know, my girlfriend at the time just got engaged. We're going to move. We're going to do all this things. And the Holy Spirit tells me at the airport where, he, where I'm dropping him off, you're not going to that thing. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not going to this thing? I just told him I'm going to this thing. The Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going. It was just an affirmation of your calling. No, it's not. That is my calling. You know, sometimes you argue with God about what your calling is. And then God led me to an internship through the help of my mentor. Rather than going on the stage, would you envision to thousands of people, the whole idea of stadium Christianity, which killed the church, by the way, and breeded narcissists, basically, God led me to an internship to fold bulletins. And here are my, and my wife came, she came to help me. My fiance came to help me fold the bulletins. We're folding like a thousand bulletins. And I'm talking to God about folding these bulletins. I'm like, God, what is going on? I thought I'm the prayer God. Folding bulletins, picking up cakes for the cafe. My mentor told me, he goes, Sam, I really spoke to the Lord about this. God is saving you 25 years of pain by letting you learn what it means to be the biblical model of leadership. Because there's no word leader in the Bible, right? The idea is really doulos, slave or servant. Jesus was a doulos, Paul says. He was a servant. The whole idea of leadership, the paradox uh, of power, it's only really an invention in the last hundred years. Before that, there's emperors and lords, masters, leader in a free market economy, is a new invention. God taught me what? 
to mitigate the alerting effects of power to be to what servanthood. But this is not the church culture, folks. This is not people who are talented in the church skip washing feet, folding bulletins, driving vans, picking up cakes, going to the hospital visits. They go straight to the pulpit. And then you ask the question, why is this happening? To ask someone next to you, why is this happening? You're like, everybody, like, I, I sometimes I look at the church and I'm like, are you guys stupid? I look at the church, are you guys stupid? When you have some, the, the rise and fall of Carl Lentz Hillsong right in our backyard, and people go, how did that happen? People were shocked. Oh, my God. He had more than one affair? And I was like, why are you surprised? The dude was doing advertisements on suit supply with his shirt off. As a pa- That's a surprise to you? I can't believe I thought that was cool. See? The alluring power of celebrity affects even us. We want to believe the lie that you can have your cake and eat it too. I told you that only happens in heaven. Not that I'm saying, you know, pastors with dad bods are more trustworthy. Because... I'm sorry, the motive is the appearance is not everything, okay? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we created perpetually a culture where narcissists take reins of power. Do not take this warning from Jesus seriously. Be careful not to practice your righteousness before men. And the Father will not reward you, says. Why would people do that? Well, because... Power and approval and status is alluring. So people who are want to lead, people who want to be on stage, people who want to sing and preach and lead, why? Did you ever wonder? Ask someone else, why is that? Why is that? Why, why do they do that? Because they're called, they're anointed. They're set apart. No, because they have narcissistic tendencies. We have narcissistic tendencies. So the people who are, who approach power, and this is a theory by Kettner, and Warren now is creating a whole theory about the theology of, I mean, not the, the power paradox. It's called the inhibition approach theory of power. People who approach power have a form of narcissism. Trump, others, and they approach power and the more power they approach the more corrosive it becomes but people who inhibit power meaning people who run away from power who are reluctant to to, to take the reins of leadership or to approach leadership they're a little bit reluctant they're competent but they're reluctant for various variant reasons they're the ones that should lead but they don't so let me ask you a question, and let's try to answer together today as we explore this. So we can blame people like Ravi and Carl Lentz for living a duplicitous life, duplicitous life when we created that culture, the platform for them to do it, bought the books, bought the music, bought the lie. Or we could look at ourselves. For those of us here are a bit more humble, not narcissist. Let me look. Yeah, Pat, definitely reluctant. <laughs> Who are reluctant and go, you know what? 
I'm good. Tell someone next to you, I'm good. You're not leading anything or really committed to anything that like that strongly, like in the public, because you're like, you're because you're a smart ring. Because once you come on stage, you gotta perform, which sucks, part of sucking performance. But you're you're smart. You're like, oh, I'm good. I just want to Netflix and you know, stay the night in. I just, you know, I just want to chill. I don't want any complications. There are many variants, you know, variables why I don't want to do it. But that is also complicity. You keep wondering why narcissists and duplicitous leaders keep leading the church, keep falling, money scandals, sex scandals, pride scandals. That's because those who are reluctant to lead don't, even though they've been called. So what's the alarming dangers of spiritual piety? Piety. First lesson we learn is what? Read it with me. Collateral damage. The opiate crisis in the United States is the most crushing compared to any other developed country. 100,000 people have died. Five years ago, 50,000. Fentanyl is becoming a new drug that's killing many people. Equivalent to heroin and the high you get. Experts have put it crudely this way. We have made it easy to get addicted and hard to get help. That's the church culture too. We made it easy for people to lead that have real deep personality disorders. Like, oh yeah, you have a narcissist? Great, we'll get behind you. Hey, you want, we should build you a website. Start boosting you on Instagram and Facebook. We created a culture not taking the warnings of Jesus seriously. And the collateral damage is huge. And that's not just people living in duplicity. That's those of us who are in the comfort zone, not really heriting the call of Jesus to lead. And that's the question I want to ask. Is, has God called you and you're reluctant. You're a reluctant leader. You're like, ah, no, I'm good. And in this year, one of the things the Holy Spirit, I believe, will do is he's going to push you. Because you're the one that has to lead if you're reluctant to lead. And at Wharton, they have done an empirical study where reluctant leaders, mildly reluctant leaders, there's an empirical relationship to effectiveness. Because reluctant leaders... They collaborate because they're not sure if they can do it. So they ask for better ideas. It's not about their ego. It's about the goal. So the mitigating effects of power, a lot of times are mitigated by the reluctance. So there's empirical fact. Proven that reluctant leaders need to step up. And I believe for many of you, this year, that could be Jesus' calling in your life. To not just... Fade in the background and take it easy, but follow him to the cross, to a place that could be just uncomfortable and bring discomfort. Because if you'd want to keep asking the question, this collateral damage, spiritual abuse happening, then you have to step up. Tell someone next to you, you have to step up. Or for some, you might have to step back. 
You find a narcissist in your small group and talk to them. Have a conversation. But that might not go well. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right, we, come on. This is real now. Real. So that's the first thing. The alarming dangers of spiritual power is it's the collateral damage. We need to really focus on that. Second, Jesus says, when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites acting. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees you what is done in secret will reward you. We need people that embrace the BTS model. If you want to go beyond the stars, or boys who sing, but beyond the stars, you have to also be behind the scenes. Ah, I got that from my wife. I stole it from Josh and my wife, actually. In the we need people who are actually praying in secret, who actually are sincere, that, are, that don't have the corrosive effect of power or narcissistic traits leading the church. Because they know the Father. Like, man, this is like simple stuff. What should be the qualification of people who know the Father? People who have a relationship with the Father. People who hear Jesus calling. Oh, yeah. That's what Jesus says. We need people that are praying in secret. People who have a real relationship, a genuine relationship with Christ, being the ones that step up because they don't want to. And the cost of that is detrimental, not stepping up. So let's put this picture up here. There you go. Talk about reluctant leaders. I remember a conversation with, with Stu oh, a decade ago. Stu, I really believe that you should go to seminary. He's like, what? what? And then he goes, you know what? I did sense a call. I mean, Stu's one of those types that forget if he led someone to Christ or not. I mean, mitigating narcissism? Great. One day he talked about someone coming to Christ in a small group, and then Wendy Lee, who's getting married this year. If it wasn't for Stu, she wouldn't be getting married. Stu, you're a hero, bro. He's like, and he goes, and then Wendy's like, you forgot me, Stu. You, you led me to Christ in your small group. And Wendy's like, no, Stu's like, I did? Don't. Man, I forgot. I mean, when, when I talked about seminary, and by the way, he, he graduated like with 3.9 GPA. Give him a hand. Let's see what happened. No 4.0? What's up? <laughs> I'm kidding, so kidding. It's a joke, okay? Come on. But um, I mean, and, and I remember him taking an English class when he goes, man, I haven't been in college for centuries. This is going to be so hard. I mean, he passes... The first week, they go, you, you write well, just get out of the class. He goes, but he, the first week, he says, I don't know, doc. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. For years, Stu has been behind the scenes, us yelling at him about why the PowerPoint is not working and why the sound is getting messed up. He was, he was BTS, behind the scenes. And then God calls him to the front to preach. And people have been blessed by his messages from a unique perspective, right? 
So second lesson we learned how we have to address the alarming you know, dangers of spiritual piety is how we mitigate it. It's we have to switch it up. It's the power paradox. While the spotlight is dangerous for some, others need to be pushed. And hey, I don't know what's brewing in your heart, okay? I'm not sure if you're a you know, crazy narcissist. I hope not, but that could be worked on. Or you need, you're, you're someone that needs to be pushed. I believe in my spirit as I was praying this week that 180 special, and I always say 180 is not special. I mean, we have special types of people, <laughs> but not special in the way people think positively of. But I believe 180 center, the epicenter and our strength as a community. It's okay, Sean. Yes, we understand. Um, is that 180 could be, I believe, one of the communities in the church in the next 20 years that empower reluctant leaders for the glory of God. Could start a movement away from an attractional, narcissistic framework of leadership and move toward competence and humility, which could be a very interesting case study. And, and today, that's what we're really tackling, to mitigate the corrosive effects of power. Those who approach power and has a propensity toward that power need to be checked. But those who move away from power need to be pushed. I remember as we were, for this year, I was, you know, I was really struggling during the pandemic, preaching so many times at my COVID office. You guys all remember our COVID office? Going out there in the rain, in the thundering storm. I almost died one time. And I thought, you know, to, to, how can I love you guys? And that was, I should, probably shouldn't be in my living room where everybody is, looking at the ceiling. Right? That was the way to love you guys, to, to climb some rocks and produce my own videos. I didn't think I was going to become a streamer, but I did for two years. Which worked because we got 5,000, almost 6,000 followers on Instagram, which is cool. But when we were thinking about the, it's like, I'm going to die if I keep doing this, right? Because let me just tell you, you know it's more difficult to preach by yourself on the beach than here? Because you're talking to the camera. You have no idea if your joke is funny or not. And most likely probably isn't. Even Stephen Colbert wasn't funny during COVID. I was like, Steven, that's a miss, bro. That's, that's a miss. And you had to write it out. It's very difficult. I was burning out. And, you know, really, as I started for, the, for more people to preach, and, and we're going to get more leaders to preach, more reluctant people, you know, more women to preach to. And, you know, we want to we, we push for reluctant leaders. And, you know, I was praying, and, and I got some ideas. Stu's preached before, and then, and, then I, Paul popped in my mind. Paul Lee, right, our, our organizational psychologist, that informs us on everything financial. He leads workshops on that. You know, Paul uh, was a consultant that did the new LaGuardia Airport terminal. I remember visiting one, like, well, he did a good job. I approved Paul. Called him, I said, this is good, good job. But I remember talking to his wife, Grace, and I said, Grace, so what do you think about Paul preaching 
in two weeks, she goes, she goes, he's preaching? I said, you guys talk in your marriage? Or you guys, you know, I don't know. You guys don't talk at all. You guys text or something? She's like, Grace, I didn't know he was preaching. I'm like, so did you ever see him preach before, Grace? He's like, she's like, never. I'm kind of nervous now. Kind of nervous. I said, don't worry, Grace. I've I, I seen him do workshops. He's going to be fine. He has so much information, we don't know what to do with it. I mean, basically, you know how people preach seven minutes? You probably, his dangerous preaching 100 minutes, do four hours, five hours. But then I remember, so, so Paul, too, was behind the scenes for years and years. And, you know, for PKs like Paul, who was, who was a pastor's kid, and Grace was a missionary kid, for them to serve a community of faith, I mean, you know, they're, they're particular, PKs are particular because they know the suffering their parents had to gone through to what it means to be a ministry. For them to serve a community means that they believe that there is something there to serve, to add value in some way. And I remember Paul here crying up here. Paul, don't do that again. People are pressuring me to cry now. They're like, you need to cry. Stu too, he joined him in. I'm like, making me look bad. They're like, some of the married men were like, you're callous, D-San. You're, you're callous. You don't, you, don't, you don't have the love of the Father in you anymore. And, and he was crying up here, and people felt the calling of the gospel. But he was behind the scenes. And he's reminding us, God's reminding us, that this is the model forward. And it was powerful because people started reading that book by Bonhoeffer, Community. And people said, man, it's kicking my butt. I want this to be our model, the paradox, power paradox. I want us to check power. And, and personally, for me, I want to check my own power. I want you to pray for humility for my life. Do you know what it feels like when you're on the Bible app and 500, and, sorry, 500 million people look at you for 24 hours? I had tens of thousands visit my website asking for prayer. It's better for me not to be on the pulpit all the time. To push others on it. To not be on the spotlight. To check that power. To serve. To encourage others to lead. That has to be our model moving forward. To avoid the alarming pitfalls and dangers of spiritual piety. I want to pray, folks, in Jesus' name today. That we would be a community that's sincere spiritually, man. Not pious. Stand and pray together. First, will you lift your hands with me today to the Lord? Will you repent with me? for our seeking comfort over the mission? Yes, I know that all of us have competing commitments of our lives. All of us are busy. All of us have children to raise, relationships, families, jobs that we're juggling. But folks, if we don't answer the call, the collateral damage will continue to happen, right? So will we repent together today as a, as a community? Say, God, I'm, I'm, I, 
repent. I, I say sorry for not giving you my whole life to lead when I want comfort instead. Because I am contributing. And allowing closet narcissists to lead the church. Continuing to deface Jesus and his glory. Father, we want to repent today together for allowing the church and giving people a platform that has the appearance of righteousness, but when it's all about self-interest. We repent of allowing that culture to be perpetuated. Use my hands, God. Use my resources that you've given me, my talents, my positionality, even though I'm reluctant to lead, to step up and say, yes, Lord. Let's make this our prayer together. to model a giftedness with contriteness. Father, we pray that though those who hunger for power and the spotlight must be checked, some of us here today need to be pushed. Need to step up. Because if we don't, the alternative is collateral damage makes it more difficult to lift the name of Jesus high. And that's something we have to grapple with this year and repent of. And I pray that the Spirit of God today will show you your own heart.
So Jesus, we thank you that through kenosis, you gave up power to love. For some of us, to love you, we need to take on the reins of power reluctantly. Tell someone next to you, you are the hobbit. Stop your second lunches and start the journey of serving. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. All God's people say, bye hobbits, go on your journey. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it's good to see all of you guys here on this nice and snowy Sunday. For those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Stu Still. I'm a member here at 180 Church. We are a community joining God to restore the beauty in all things. And again, it's so good to see all of you guys here today. Before we get started, we just have uh, some community news that we want to share with everybody. We're going to start off with tithes and offering. And for all of our members here, we want to remind and encourage you to continue to keep God at the center of everything, including your finances. You can make an offering through any of the electronic means uh, above. And if you're a visitor here, you guys are our guests, you guys are our visitor, there's no financial obligation to be here. But if you feel led to make an offering, you're more than welcome to do so at any of the means above as well. Our next announcement is about, is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram or Tumblr at 180BRG. And this is a great resource for us to get God's Word daily into our lives, whether we start the day whether, with it, whether we power through the afternoon with it, or whether it's a refreshing, quieting moment before we go to sleep at night to just bask in God's Word and really see what His promises are for us. And again, this is a great resource to bring that into our lives. We post just a chapter of the Bible every day on these uh, um, outlets and uh, again you can find it on Instagram or Tumblr at 180BRG. Our next announcement is about the different ways that we can come together and pray and as Dr. Sammy has been preaching uh, over the last few weeks prayer is so important and vital to our lives and it's important uh, not only for ourselves but for those that we care about for those that we're concerned about and this is a great resource for those times when we want to pray for others and lift others up and that we don't want to do it alone, but we do it in community. Uh, at 5397 Prayer, you can send a text to our prayer team, or you can do it through email at prayer at 180church.tv. And again, this is a great resource for those times where either we're going through something in our lives, or for those that we care about, our friends, our family, our coworkers, our loved ones, where we can lift them up, but not just lift them up alone, but lift them up with the community. And again, uh, it's 5397prayer or prayer at 180church.tv. And we also have our house of prayer, which we start at about 1140 every Sunday. And it's a great time to just quiet ourselves from all of the busyness, all the insanity, all the craziness of the week, and just ready ourselves to hear God's word. And we do that right here in the theater again at 1140. And uh, speaking of all the ways that we can pray and uh, do that we uh, have all of these different devotionals which we've been going into through this year uh, that you can find at the 180 cafe um, all of these are available for you guys and again dr. Sammy's been talking about the ways that we can pray and the ways that we can you know center our lives in Christ and these have been a great resource for a lot of people to just spend time every day just with a short moment of prayer of devotion to 
really connect with God. Uh, again, you can find all of these at the uh, 180 Cafe. Uh, it's on the honor system, so you can pick it up and then you can just Venmo us at Church 180 or at QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Next, we have all of the ways that we're connected on social media. Uh, we have a number of Instagram handles. We have uh, 180 Church, 180 BRG, as I mentioned before, and 180 Fellowship for our college ministry. We have our YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. Dr. Sammy has his Twitter page at uh, Dr. Sammy Kim. We have our Facebook page at 180 Church. And lastly, we have our Tumblr page again, 180BRG for the Bible Reading Group. And these are a great number of ways where we can come together online to keep up to date on everything that's going on in the church and to just come together and pray and do all these things together, again, in the context of community so that we're not doing life alone, but we're keeping together in community through all of these means. And on that note, um, we know that not everybody can make it here every single Sunday. So we do have our live stream available every Sunday uh, on our YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. And it starts every Sunday at about 10 after 12. And again, this is a great resource for if you can't make it here on a Sunday or if you're inviting a friend out and they're just a little bit nervous about showing up in person, this is a great way to bring church to them, to help them start their journey in Christ. So again, it's on our uh, YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. Next, we have all of our small groups, which are where we come together in the middle of the week to go deeper into Dr. Sammy's sermon, to see where we're going in life, to see where Christ is calling us in life. And again, I've said it so many times today, it feels like it's becoming a catchphrase, but it's where we do it in community, where we do it together, where we're friends along the journey in where Christ is bringing us. And it's also a great way, if you're beginning your journey in Christ, to talk to people about where they've started and how they've been progressing in their relationship with Christ. We have the adult groups, which meet every Wednesday at 7.30, the young adult groups, which meet on Thursdays at 7.30, and we have the 180 Fellowship College group, which meets on Mondays at 7.30. And many of these are meeting online and virtually, so if you're interested in joining, come see me or any of the greeters in the blue shirts and we'll get you connected. Next, we have a number of ways that we're looking for people to help us in uh, many of the ministries we have here at 180 Church. One of them is the children's ministry. And we have so many kids running around here now, it's starting to feel like we're getting a little outnumbered by them. <laughs> and we need some people to help us with starting their journey in Christ and uh, giving them a foundation for who God is. If you're interested in joining that, you can talk with Pastor Lydia or you can talk with Michelle Kim and they'll get you plugged in. Next, we have the 180 Cafe, which is a great time to just grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea in the morning. And we are looking for people to help out with that as well. And this is just a great place for, you know, being that first point of contact with people as they come in. And if you're interested in joining that, you can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee. Or if that's not uh, up your alley, we just have our greeters, which really are the first point of contact, the people that are the friendly faces to welcome people. And many of us are here because someone was friendly and said, welcome you're welcome here. We want to know all about you and help you on your journey in Christ and all of that stuff. And uh, if you're interested in joining that again, you can talk with Danny O or Wendy Lee. Those are all of our announcements today.